welcome back to another episode of Unsung. Thanks for listening. Okay, good feedback. And people have been sending questions for me to ask guests, many of which I can't repeat. Uh, but uh, thank you anyway for your efforts. Um, you can get us online, all forms of social media, podcasts. More people are listening to podcasts, it seems. And uh, I look at the stats on the podcast and I cannot figure out like you have people all over the world. I can't figure out the patterns in it, but they're going up and I appreciate it. And I hope that people are uh, benefiting from it. This uh, week we're talking with Andrew Balaki. I get that right? Alex. Uh, Alex Balaki. Alex. Why did I write Andrew? The uh, I have messed up a name in a while. My my fault. Keep it. Okay. Uh, I don't do editing. Alex is the deputy coroner in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, and uh, he's been doing that for how long? Did you say eleven years? Eleven years. Eleven years, and um, uh, just like. Any job, it's job, and uh, I'm wearing more black than Alex is. He's uh, uh, dressed quite upbeat, and I realized I we had met on a case, but we didn't meet. But I saw him because I made it. I made a comment, and he uh, about uh, we had a case, and we had located the person, and the and the coroner showed up uh, to claim the body as they do, and I had noted what a cheery mood he was in. The guy was just in a good mood. It was a, a beautiful day and lots of times these lots of times these horrible things wrap up on beautiful days and you feel a little guilty for enjoying the day. But I and I don't know if this happens with you, but um sometimes the expose being exposed to that um the in bearing witness to the end of something like that makes the day a little more beautiful because you cherish it a little more if that makes sense sky's a little brighter birds chirping a little louder but you were just happy that day and i was like that guy can be happy well why can't everybody just cheer up a little bit and then here we are a couple years later and he said that was me <laughs> and uh i'm glad to actually meet you in person uh, when you're not working because there's no way i was going near you when you were working uh uh what what made you uh, get started? You told the story about a mentor and everything in college, yeah. a little randomness. Yeah, I needed to select an upper-level elective in my undergrad for my junior year, and I was flipping through the catalog of courses, and I stumbled upon a page that had forensic pathology as one of the classes. So I asked my advisor what that class was about, and he said uh, dead bodies and uh, investigations and things like that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And that led to a, a, a certificate program that my college had for forensic criminalistics where I had met a mentor who oversaw that program and I ended up taking the additional five classes and the mentor um, was a great guy and he could tell I think how interested I was in that class and pointed me towards a graduate program in Philadelphia for forensic medicine at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. And what would you be doing if you weren't doing this, you think? Who knows? I had picked, uh, I was undeclared for a couple of years and ended up bouncing around to a couple of colleges. Um, by the way, if you're, if you're undecided, I would recommend any community colleges for sure to do some, some coursework. It's like because, a third, uh, a quarter of the price and you knock oh, the yeah. electives out cheap. Oh, big I did, time. That's what I did. Big time. Yeah, so I'm an advocate for community colleges because they were 
accepting of me, and I did a year uh, at Luzerne County Community College, and then um, ended up in uh, near Harrisburg at Central Pennsylvania College. So, when I ended up at Central Pennsylvania College, I picked criminal justice because I thought there were a lot of different avenues to take in that area. Um, whether it was, you know, juvenile justice or adult probation or law enforcement, um, security, stuff like that. So. Were you influenced at all at any point during the decision? Were you influenced by the, the wave of uh, what I'm going to say are unrealistic shows on on the topic, you know? Uh, I suppose, yeah. I mean, Did a you lot think of it would shows be like that at popular all? when I was younger. Um, CSI was kind of emerging in those years, uh, many years ago. How long into doing the actual job did you go, that's just a bunch of junk? <laughs> uh, pretty pretty early. <laughs> pretty yeah. early, yeah. Because yeah. even, even now people bring it up, hey, it's just like that one show, but – um, you know, things don't happen overnight or in the course of a couple of hours. Yeah, stuff yeah. doesn't come back that quick. Right. Uh, it takes me more than an hour to get to a scene sometimes. Right. And, and yeah, I can just imagine the logistics problems you have getting two scenes. And, and uh, you know, when we were talking about when I met you on the case, you were saying one of the things you liked about that was it was during the day. And, yeah. And – I would not imagine 2 a.m. Yeah. Not, not not 2 a.m. going towards something everybody else is trying not to be anywhere near, you know? Yeah. And um, how many people work in a coroner's office? Ours is relatively small compared to the size of Montgomery County. Um, we're actually doing some comparative analysis right now uh, because other smaller counties – um, have much more um, employment opportunities, part-timers, full-timers. And we only have um, eight full-time employees and five of which are deputy coroners and, and myself, the first deputy. And we also have an office manager and an autopsy technician, morgue manager, that are full-time. And what's a typical day like for you? I mean, there are no typical days, but there are similar days what, what's what's what do you expect to happen in a given week yeah we we rarely have quiet days um and when we do have quiet days we kind of catch up on some paperwork and other things that need to be done but for example i was on call last night and i got a couple of calls in the middle of the night none of them were uh, jurisdictional cases meaning they were required to be called into us but they didn't fall under our jurisdiction. So they were um, natural deaths uh, under the care of a physician, and there was no reason for us to get involved. But um, So um, I didn't bring any of those bodies into our office. They, they were able to go directly to a funeral home. Uh, but one of my colleagues did have a case yesterday, so we had uh, an examination in our office today. And where we bring in a forensic pathologist and we do an examination. This, in this case, it was a full autopsy and uh, toxicology as well. What's the criteria for determining whether an autopsy is done on somebody or not? That was something a listener asked me to ask you. Sure. That's, that's one of the things that can be variable from office to office. And it can be uh, variable depending on um, office policy. Um, Budget sometimes plays a role, of course. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, certain cases require autopsies. Of Obviously, all homicides 
We do a lot of autopsies on accidental and suicide-related deaths, even natural deaths when they're unexplained or uh, unexpected, something like that. But we, we do quite a few autopsies um, because we want that added information to go along with the story. It, it seems, and, and this is me being naive on your profession, but it just seems to me that when I see uh, cases where a body is exhumed once and sometimes twice, it just seems like if we had some system in place where there was enough in the budget where you grab, you know, you could grab a, a hair, a tissue, a blood sample from everybody and, and store them for a year or something, you know, in case something turns up. Because this technology is changing. It seems like that things that may have been thought to be one thing might come out in the future to be thought to be another thing, you know, as, as we can discover, like just chemicals they can't discover in a system that can be used to harm people. But sure. Yeah. They may be able to do that. And, and uh, every time I see a body being exhumed, I just think that there was a missed opportunity there perhaps. Uh, would it be realistic? Do you ever see a day where they grab a sample from everybody that passes? There's there's a lot. Your, your DNA and, and genetics can tell about um, maybe inherent uh, inherited diseases and things like that. Uh, but as far, you know, someone might be more prone to heart disease if they have a particular genetic marker or something like that. But um, the autopsy is really going to tell you if, if the heart disease uh, manifested in this person based on their lifestyle or, or even just genetics by itself. And do you, uh, is, there, is there out of all the, the different things you have to see is there is there uh, is there any kind of call that you get that you just sigh and drop your head and just have to rally to do it because it's not you know it's it's not something that is your favorite like I don't uh, I don't like uh, anything to do with kids you know right. I don't like uh, you know I will I will walk slow and let other people get in front of me and do everything I can to get out of it I just don't mm -hmm. like that. Uh, is there anything like that? Uh, yeah, I actually uh, explain that when we when we give talks and lectures in schools or even other programs or even our interns in our office. So I feel that everyone can relate something to their life somehow. Um, before I had kids, you know, my grandmother lived with me for many years, so I was kind of more in tune to elder abuse cases and things like that and then once i started having kids of course that's a that's a game changer and now um <clears throat> i'm investigating an infant death of a six-month-old and my six-month-old is at home at the same time and yeah. it was just kind of um a reality obviously um kids and infants and children uh, are tough any any time for anybody it's 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 difficult because when you do uh, when you do um, I think especially aspects of public safety, but anything you do that specializes, once you see that piece of the world, you can't unsee it. You can't turn it off. And in many ways, these jobs, um, you know, can just taint things for you. You don't look at them the same. Your innocence is gone. You know. Um, you know, you, you you probably you probably can't watch any of those shows without screaming at the TV or something. Can you watch like something like Bones without just laughing like it's a comedy? I used to like Bones uh, because uh, anthropology I find fascinating. I really like that aspect about it. But there are 
definitely some shows that I just say, you know, that's not really how it works or that's not how it's supposed to happen. They kind of just jump to the conclusion and maybe miss the middle part or um, it doesn't match. I feel like on most of these shows, and I don't watch a lot of them, but I feel like on most of these shows that the person who – the lead people that are doing the investigating, whatever the show and the formula is, would have been in the real world fired halfway through the case, <laughs> you know, whether it's house or whatever. I think they would have been fired um, because of breaking so many rules, you know. Um, the uh, how, how old are you? I'm 36. 36. You're, you're not old enough. But did, did you ever, in the course of this, you ever watch Quincy? Oh, yeah. A lot of people bring up Quincy a lot. No, did you ever no, see I've it? I've never seen it. Oh, you got to watch it Quincy. I pretty good, though. It was, it was kind of more realistic, I think, the job, because it didn't glamorize it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, you know, it, it's like the shows now, when, when you look at, I mean, they have morgues that look like fine restaurants, you know. They're so clean mm -hmm. and shiny and well lit, you know. Uh, and, and that's just not the real world. But how many cases do you get up there uh, in a given year? In 2018, we did over a thousand cases for the first time, meaning we took jurisdiction on the death and issued their death certificate. So that means the numbers are up a little. Yeah, they they've been going up every year. Is that is that because there are more of us alive to die? I think um, population pop population for sure. Up. It doesn't necessarily. I'm I, I'm I guess I'm saying it doesn't mean something sinister is happening. Uh, there's more of us alive. Right. You know, and, and the numbers will go up, just like there's more cars on the road, you know. And um, drug-related deaths has gone up quite a bit over the last three or four years. Um, and and is that is that a big chunk of what you think you're – is that a chunk of the increase? Drug-related deaths make up, uh, if not the most, they're of the top two or three types of deaths we investigate. Like if 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 all drugs, all drug related deaths stop, could you like let two people retire or something? Would it just drop your workload? It would drop it about twenty percent. Okay, okay. And and that number's clearly on the rise. I mean, that's a number that's impacting everybody. Yeah. Uh, and I I think that we still don't realize. I think the average person doesn't realize that. The way it's impacting things. I've seen it in what we do. I've seen it go from three years ago, I could say it influenced no cases, then it was six cases, and it was a few, and then last year it was 28, I think, um, out of what we did that um, you just see it creeping in, and it's it's becoming more and more uh, mainstream. I don't want to say acceptable, but it's not as shocking um, because you almost expect it. Uh, that mm -hmm. it's going to happen. The uh, What's the best part of your job? Uh, right now I'm in management, so I enjoy a lot of aspects that come along with that. So I'm not on the road as much, which makes being on the road a little more enjoyable in the rare, rare cases that I do it once in a while. Uh, but for me, I like uh, helping families for sure, especially the ones that um, – uh, their loved one had died several years ago or they're not quite sure what the, the situation was maybe 10, 20, or 100 years ago, and we can go into archives and kind of help them bring some closure to that family. Do you get a lot of requests for genealogy type things? More and more lately. Huh. Yeah. 
And, and how far back do your records go? 1895. 1895, wow. Do, do you, uh, when you're dealing with those, it's... There's something about records uh, that are handwritten, you know, yeah. you see these leather-bound books and everything. Yeah. There's something about that because I don't think that looking at a screen is going to take people back the way opening that tactile book up with its feel and its smell. When you do that, do, do, you, have a, do you have a sense of, you know, the person that wrote that, you know, you know being in their shoes, you know, centuries later? Yeah. You feel really a connection interesting. or something? The, uh the script that they they use with the pen and uh, everything was handwritten and all of the all of the strokes are very similar on all the cases you know they have to write the age the gender whether or not they were married and just everything is identical in this script and then they write a little blurb about what happened to this person you know not as much as we write now for our records but still it's a little something to kind of uh, give you an idea of what happened to this person that long ago have you have you ever read going back and read those when you didn't have to have you ever just read them to read them no i haven't no. no it'd probably be interesting to get all that digital at some point you know and then come up with some old-timey stats on stuff you know yeah yeah uh, that's that's a something we were trying to do with our uh, facebook interns. page um something we called vintage forensics where we we're going to try to track down 70 or 80 year old cases that were kind of interesting and uh, see how we could uh, how it would be different from then versus today if we would do anything different or if the outcome would be a little different but that kind of uh, didn't garner as much interest as I thought it would on Facebook but well, that that would be that'd be really neat that'd be really I thought neat so. <laughs> yeah what if you could get what if you could get some uh, some kids from programs like you were in and give them each a case and have them present it using today's sure you know that would be interesting yeah. that that does sound interesting the um, uh, so you guys are twenty four seven of course yeah um, we're one of the few essential offices in the county the uh, it wasn't this county um, it was another county so I'm not. I'm not going to name the county, but we we had a case and we found uh, and we f found the body had to wait for the coroner because there was some question as to how the person died, and I I, I learned an important lesson about uh, waiting for the coroner on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I was out there a lot longer than I thought I was going to mm. be out there. The um, in 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 what we do, we've seen the major the, the biggest thing to slow down. Uh, uh, long-term response on stuff is uh, Super Bowl Sunday and March Madness. You know, I, I, I dread it when I have to go because we we're going to be out here all day waiting because you can't – people don't – I don't think people realize it that when you find somebody, there's a chain of custody and maintain. You don't just find them and leave them out there. Mm -hmm. And lots of times we're so far out, we've got to wait for somebody to get there. And then when they get there, we've got to get somebody to go and get them and bring them in uh, because the um, – you know, like I th that that case that I met you on, uh, we had time before you got there, and uh, uh, we cut you a nice path back to the body oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah, you know, yeah, we you, you got you, you got the A grade treatment because uh, yeah. we, we we were waiting we were waiting for you, and it wasn't like we were waiting a long time. You got there pretty quick, uh, but I said, you know, we got time. Cut him a pass so he doesn't have to wrestle to get out there, and uh, because. It. because 
lots of times you're a one-man operation, right? You know, um, and and I guess I guess you count on help on the scene because you're not going to be the only one there. Are you ever the only one there? No, no, thankfully not. There's always going to be law enforcement if it if it happens outside of a facility. Do, do you do you ever find this? Have you ever found a situation where you're the last one there because it would just seem to get a little creepy? Yeah, uh, I can count on one hand the number of times I've been left. Uh, at a scene and the most memorable one was in uh, one of our townships and I was investigating the death and it was the one officer there and all of a sudden on his radio he hears something about shots fired um, he just you. and <laughs> it was you know a couple of blocks away and he was like hey you cool man and I said yeah yeah we're, we're good you can go so we got out of there shortly thereafter though but yeah, all other times they stay and 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 you know it's a joint it's a joint operation between right. us and law enforcement for sure. So um, we're there to help each other out. Do you have a favorite story? Do you have, do you have like a story that you're known for telling? Mm. You know, pe- people usually ask what's the weirdest or the strangest thing I've seen or the most gruesome, but um, not not one really stands out. To me, if you wanted a specific example of, of a situation, I could probably pull one out. That's that's kind of the same answer I give when people ask me because it's it's um, in the course of a conversation, something will bubble to the top given mm-hmm. the context of the conversation. But I don't have one that stands out at a given moment. Uh, it because it all everything is, um, and and see, re, I guess was a year ago or something we were sitting around talking it was me and some of my officers and and he said okay what's what's the most normal case we've had and I said well, that I can bite into you know that I can bite into and we came up with one case in 40 years that was absolutely just straight up normal there was nothing odd about it no one lied to anybody that was just it was what it was you know and uh uh, because I mean, just by the by the fact that you know you're involved, you're 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 in that chain of people that very often meets people on what could be the worst day of their life yeah. so far, you know. And I I don't I don't think people realize how big that uh, that grouping of people is um, that, that that does that, and you only meet people for the most part that's why the facebook thing that you guys are doing is a great idea uh reaching out to different people because it's kind of shining a little light on there and um making it not as mysterious and uh right is that your baby the trying to uh maybe get rid of or clear up some of the cliches about what we (laughs) do too but you know, we're trying to spotlight some of our interns and some of our employees and, and equipment that we use and and stuff like that. But the uh, yeah, it's 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 like I said, I'm wearing all black and you've got on blue stripes and tan pants and yeah. uh, you know and uh, you know uh, stereotypes. And I think that's a great use of Facebook. I mean, I I don't pay a lot of attention to a lot of different stuff but I found the stuff that you posted on there to be interesting and it was interesting to see the interns and I think you've had past interns on there and everything talk about it and it um, you know it's kind of like I try and do on the show is humanize different occupations and uh, and people um, people don't think about that 
occupy. I remember when I I remember that day when I was watching. I was like, that guy likes his job. I mean, he, just happy because you got out of the van. And you kind of popped down and you went around back and you got the gurney and you looked up in the sky a little bit, and smiled, and you went back there. It's like he's he's just happy to happy to be here and. Uh, and it, you know, it, it it gives you it gives you perspective. I, do, do you do you feel as though doing this job has given you a different perspective on life that many people aren't lucky enough to have? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, we see, you know, tragic freak accidents sometimes where if someone had been going a mile an hour slower on the highway, they would have missed this terrible crash that they were in, or. Or something happens, like a tree falls on someone in the woods. Just, um, I really think about that sometimes. About how uh, every day is precious, for sure. We had a. I, I guess you may have been we had a case where the guy went missing and um, he committed suicide against the tree and then wasn't found for years because lightning hit the tree and it fell on him. Um, at the yeah, farm park, yeah. Over there? Yeah, it wasn't me out there, but that's a memorable case. But yeah, sure. that was yeah. your your tree falling thing, and I and I, you know, I think about that. You know, I think about this that to this day that you know, um, either way, I guess it was happening that night, you know, uh, or whatever. And and it's 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 amazing how, like you say, one mile power are these coincidences that when it's time, it's time. The uh, um. And you see a thousand cases a year. Um, do you see other than drugs? Do you uh, and I, and this actually may be a bigger question. Maybe we can have a little bit. I I recently had a case, and and I believe there's you have clear things. You have homicide, and then you have accidental death. And uh, there was a debate because uh, this case was listed as suicide. And the family didn't want it to be suicide, and I understand both. I understand the factual, scientific part. I understand, uh, and I, with the family saying, and I had a discussion with them, and uh, because the person had, um, there were some mental health issues, and there was, uh, they were accident by. We're we're starting to see, and this is not scientific at all, but we're starting to see cases where people in their mid to late thirties. Um, get impacted who have a completely under control uh, mental thing they contract Lyme disease and just late 30s the wheels fall off of everything just suddenly and I don't know if they're going to find out in a couple of years that there's mm. a, some kind of connection between Lyme disease which is known to degenerate things and just augmenting things but we had this debate about what is uh, um, if somebody's doing something and they and they harm themselves, but they're not in their right mind. Is that you know? And and I kind of called it uh, involuntary suicide uh, because is there something in between? Is there a gray area? We have we have you know we have forty seven genders now. You know, isn't there room for another? area in there perhaps where somebody doesn't because I debated both sides of it with the family because um, I understand where the I understand where the medical examiner is coming from and I understand where the family's coming from and one's coming from fact and one's coming from emotion but I also thought about it and said if you had that same person and they and they drove into the river 
and that same exact car, same location, and the person was 90 years old, they'd say, the old guy got disoriented and lost track. They wouldn't say suicide, you know? And it's the exact same circumstances. So we would give him a, a break or something because we would throw the parameters on her. I wonder if there's if we could throw those parameters on somebody when they're younger. Any thoughts on that? Sounds like very complicated yeah. case. Yeah. Um what I can say is 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 they both sound like your your two scenarios sound like they require a lot of background investigation for sure. Um, into uh, their medical history. Um, but to answer your question about if there's a gray area, you know, something we use rarely is a manner of death called undetermined if we're not sure if it was an accident versus a suicide. Um, we can we can use that as a manner of death. But you, uh, like you said, you very rarely because that's something that's going to be, that's going to be pried open at some point. Somebody might go back to that because, um, you know. Yeah, that's that the point that we can go back to it. Yeah, if, if more information comes out in the future. Do you, do you have many cases that you go back to? No, not many. That's no. good. That's a good yeah. thing then. We're going to do a little bit of after show um, I'm with Alex Blocky, and I'm sorry about messing up your name earlier. Yeah, no I will never do it again. Um, you said undetermined. Uh, you don't have many undetermines, and that's a good thing because that means everything is solved and it appears. Do you ever do you in your experience? Has there ever been one that was given one cause and it was changed? I'm I'm certain that has happened. Yes, and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean somebody didn't do their job. It doesn't mean that uh, incompetence doesn't mean anything like that. It means that more things came exactly. to light. More information came out. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, just like DNA is freeing people and and clearing up things. You know, we're only to a degree we're only good as the technology and experience allows us to be, and that's changing more and more. Um, how has technology in the time you've been doing it influenced your job? And technology will never put you out of work. I don't think it will. You're you're <laughs> you're, you're technology proof in that uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. The inter the internet is a a great use, especially when we are trying to track down family members and things like that. Um, but as far as the examination goes, there's been talk about something called a vertopsy, a virtual autopsy, over the years, um, which is essentially you know a whole body in depth scan that can identify maybe injuries or diseases um, that potentially an autopsy would see as well. But I, Is it I like don't an MRI type thing or I something? I guess, yeah, something very similar to that. Um, but I don't think there would ever be um, – I don't think autopsies will ever be done away with. I think there's always going to be a need for that uh, along process. with an expert. Yeah. yeah, there's some jobs that have to stay hands-on, you know. Yeah. That and barista, uh, you know. <laughs> The when, when you, how many something else that people don't think about much, 
You have bodies that don't get claimed. Yes. What's the what's the oldest body, the longest one that's been up in the morgue? Well, um, you know, we have a process for unclaimed. So okay. we we try not to keep a body more than four months. And that's even becoming a problem because we get more and more unclaimed or abandoned bodies um, as the years go on. Um, so once we get to that four-point mark, if we can't find a family, you know we're looking this whole time, um, but we will uh, we will cremate the body and uh, store the cremated remains in our office. Oh, okay. So there's not the old-fashioned Potter's Field thing anymore. No, not anymore. I'm sure some coroner's offices still do that, but... You know, everything comes down to cost and space and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I've I've have seen a couple in Chester County old old time ones, but sure. I guess it would be cost okay. and space. And like Philadelphia, when I had um, the guy on Philadelphia, Gene, uh, he was saying that they they have some bodies that've been down there a while. You know, they've held on to for a while. What's the capacity of the morgue in Montgomery County? We are um, one of the smaller morgues <laughs> uh, in in the county relative to our size. So our main cooler can house about nine tables, and our freezer uh, can have three tables in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that 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 is small. Yeah, but that that's that's good that you haven't outgrown it, do you? Oh, we've definitely outgrown it. Oh, you th- yeah, oh, yeah. oh, you need more space. Yeah, yeah, that's something we're working towards currently. What, so. what, what would your, what would be your ideal size? I've been to, you know, Lehigh County has a beautiful morgue, and I hear there's phrases uh, you don't hear too often. They got yeah. a beautiful morgue. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Lancaster has a, a very nice morgue as well. I was at Bucks County not that long ago, catching up with those uh, employees. Um, learning a little bit more about what they do as I was doing these uh, comparative analysis statistics, and I got a nice tour of their facility, and uh, they can house quite a few bodies at hmm. any given time. Yeah, the, so uh, we're trying to get to that point. Uh, do Do you lean on other counties at all for specialties? Does anybody have like you know? Um, uh, if somebody, if you suspect somebody was poisoned, is somebody better that? Are there are there specialties that you go to for certain things? You know, uh, I don't think um, we don't reach out to other counties for opinions and things like that. But you know, our our pathologist may consult one of their colleagues that's okay. also a pathologist or a neuropathologist or a toxicologist if you're talking about poisons and things like that. But yeah, we're all about you know, information gathering and, and collaborating. The, um, has, do you think that the internet has made people attempt to be more clever in hurting people? Like I, sometimes I see, and, um, I, I, I'll watch, the Discovery Channel, I listen to radio, and I don't know why I watch the Discovery Channel because I just yell at the shows. Uh, but sometimes I seem, seem like they're laying a roadmap for people to do certain things. Now, these people aren't going to get away with it ultimately, but they're going to make your job more difficult, you know? Well, oh, yeah, these shows, you know, need to come up with weird stuff to make it entertaining these right. days. So, um, 
I would hope we would catch it, but I haven't seen anything uh, like a cover-up or anything weird or anything like that yet. Well, you know, there there's uh, there was an old uh, – that's the only kind of episodes they have uh, – old episode of Columbo. <laughs> and uh, and he was giving a talk about his job of homicide detective, and he, and he said, I'm not very smart. I just – and I've always taken this as a mantra, but I, I, I work hard at my job. And he said the – he said the criminal that kills somebody is they get one shot at it. I get to practice every day. I got one shot to do it right. And I get to learn every hmm. day. He said, they're at a disadvantage. And he said, IQ doesn't matter. It's experience. And I always felt like that applies to so many occupations, especially yours. Uh, they only have one shot if they're going to try and trick you. You know, um, the... Uh, is your job, and I ask this about every job, is it seasonal at all? We, we used to see some of that with the homicides. Um, a lot of them seem to happen in December. Um, you know, suicides tend to wax and wane over the years, uh, over the course of the year, but I think that's, that's different every year. Um, and the same with drug overdoses. Do you see do you see any trends? Are there any are there any known trends that you have? Like like I remember on the ambulance that we would notice that if we had two or three days of inclement weather that domestic violence would go up a little bit, you know, because people are getting oh, cabin fever. You know. Um and like you said, December. Well, December's just a powder keg, you know. That that whole between like Thanksgiving and New Year's Day is just like a, a powder keg for families. You know, it's there's too many holidays just shoved right in that little, <laughs> little end of the year, and uh, you, you just you just uh, dread it. The um, but it, it's interesting. You said the suicide doesn't follow a pattern. It, it used to feel like it followed a pattern, but just when you think you've got a handle on it, it it shows that it's yeah. random effectively yeah. you know um we used to be able to uh valentine's day was a day where you you you'd catch something you know because it was just something would come to a head mm -hmm. but it's not in tax time it was valentine's day and april 15th yeah april is still um a pretty heavy month yeah. do you see more um do you see more long uh, term missing people appear at any given time during the year because we've seen um, we've seen more come up in March and April because everybody's in for the winter and then they come mm -hmm. out and then and then people start finding bodies and, and we're always telling people no there, there there hasn't been a bunch of deaths it's just the deaths have not because of the winter and everybody's yeah. been inside. People are out and about now. People are out yeah. and about and there's always some that pop up that happen in December and aren't found till March or something or somebody had a medical thing. Um, do, do you think um, – do you think that we will continue – they say that the person is alive now that will live to be 200 years old. Do you think we will continue just – to be, you know, will somebody in your office be doing an autopsy in the future on a 150-year-old person or something? Oh, gosh. That's deep. Um, I know advances in medicine are pretty amazing, but the, the human body is pretty frail. Um, and uh, so I would be curious to see if that is true. 
what makes you say in your professional opinion why it's frail um i've seen you know what what diseases people can get at at any given age um you know tragically young ages um i'm on the um um, child death review team and we see you know um osteosarcomas and children and things like that but then we you know the next day we're doing an exam on an 80 year old who has had no medical history and hasn't seen a doctor in 20 years um and they were just fine um so there's there's a lot of frailty to uh the human body and uh you know lifestyle has a lot to do with it as well but um it's 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 weird because uh we're resilient but frail you know yeah good good phrase yeah uh and and it's it's and sometimes i wonder you know not to be dismal about it, i wonder how we are all alive because you know if you hit somebody in the right place they can die if you if you put something in the right place they can die but sometimes it just seems like you know um you you can't we're resilient. Uh, there's a resiliency, and I don't know if that's just a human spirit, but like you talked about the 80-year-old guy who'd never been to a doctor or whatever, and just that, that wouldn't that be the great way to go, you know, just no problem and then go when it's your time. Yeah. Without. Because I think many times uh, medically, uh, even before they, they get to you, I think that lots of times uh, science prolongs life for the living and not for the person that's being treated. I think sometimes we prolong things and uh, I think that sometimes the, you know, we, we make that end longer you know um, mm -hmm. because we have to come to terms with it and um, versus and I've had that case with relatives where they've just said I just want to I just want to go. It's time. They make a determination. I just when they talk about the person living to be 200 years old none of the studies none of the things that have said this have talked about the quality of life yeah there you go you know right. and that's that's really important um what do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing this oh gosh i have no idea what's your dream job i think i'm in it yeah <laughs> but does it Outside of this, if I had to do it all over again, well, when you were a little kid, uh, you didn't play coroner, right? You didn't, right? No, jeez, <laughs> who knows where I'd be if that. How do you play coroner? <laughs> um, Put a light over somebody. <laughs> I, I really did enjoy anthropology, um, so I think um, and history actually. Yeah, history was not a very strong subject for me in, in grade school, but it, I found it to be. Um, very fascinating in graduate or in college. So I think probably something along those lines. History mixed with anthropology. So and this this is all of that is just a shorter timeline. Typically, you're not going back centuries. You're going back decades. Sometimes the um, um, if you if you had to pick a second thing, what would you be? got to be something probably something in the medical field i was actually applying to nursing school that was my next uh plan after graduate school uh, but i ended up getting this job so i did not go to nursing school but just just something to help people i really enjoy helping people um how long have you been married eight years you know i really 
the instant I said that question, I felt bad about it because I watched your face twist and your wife might listen to this and they time how quick you come up with the answer. And, you're just, ah. and when you go out and, you know, and like even what I do, people say, so what's new? Tell us about a case. Do people do that to you all the time? No, no. They, they go the route of what's the weirdest thing you've seen? What's the scariest thing you've seen? Or what's the grossest thing you've seen? What do you say? You just deflect the question or whatever? It depends on the um, the atmosphere, I guess. If it's a learning environment, I certainly tell them. I certainly answer their question um, the best that I can. But if it's it's casual, I'll just be like, yeah, come on, man. But do they ever just press you? Because I, I, I was at a wedding and I got really pressed. And I got pressed for like the third time. I said, okay, you want a story? Here's your story. Gather around. <laughs> and when I was when I was done, it was just everybody just sat their plate down and just kind of walked away. Yeah. Like, you want a story? You want to press me? I'll show you what happens when you press me. You know, the uh, because I I I I think that people have an unrealistic view of what you do. I think they think it's you know more Hollywood and more dramatic and and. And and see, what Hollywood does, Hollywood is very good at dramatizing things, but they don't capture the simple humanity of it. You know, like I like I keep going back to that because I did not know it was you that day where I watch you get out of the truck and look up at the sky, the birds and the clouds and just enjoy the day for a mm-hmm. moment, you know, before, uh, before you went about your, you know, your task. And uh, because I remember standing there talking like, I would not want to be stopped in traffic with a body. In the back of the truck, I wouldn't. I I don't even like being stopped at a light next to a hearse. I to this day I don't like that because I I uh, I always glance over to see if it's full or it's empty, and uh, you know, and I'll never I'll never pass a hearse. Years ago, my dad said only a fool races a hearse, (laughs) (laughs) and that's stuck in my head. It's stuck in my head. Could you see yourself doing that, or is that just yeah? You know, it's funny you mentioned funeral homes because they're they're everywhere and uh, you might not notice them in your everyday life. I certainly never did until I started working in this job. And now because we have such a close relationship with funeral directors, I'm like, oh, that's where that one is or, oh, that's where that was. I see a hearse and I'm looking at the side of it to see which funeral home it is or if I know the person driving it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would absolutely be interested in uh, – a funeral director uh, license, maybe in my retirement or something. And in some places, the f- uh, funeral directors are medical exam or coroners. In in some a lot of places, yeah, yeah, a lot of know, places they are still uh, do that. Both. They share both roles. Yeah. And the uh, that that be an interesting retirement plan, you know, for you. The yeah. uh, still uh, a lot of heavy lifting sometimes. But. Yeah, yeah. And that, well, you know, it's 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 funny because. Uh, uh, being on the ambulance and dealing with stuff and helping uh, with stuff when you guys move stuff like the term dead weight just sounds like a phrase until you actually deal with it and I don't know what happens but people like triple uh, and it's just impossible to move and, and you know I, I've i had twice where we've had people that were very large mm-hmm. and moving them and I don't know how you do it I don't I don't know how you do it. Um and I know now they have um they have assisted 
litters that raised a person and everything. And I think in some ways they're a bad idea because they're allowing us to hire small, smaller paramedics and EMTs that when the litter breaks, you're not going to be able to do anything None. because people aren't getting smaller. I mean, would you say that even from your point of view? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's kind of a joke I tell whenever I go out, whenever I meet someone or a group of people, I'm always sizing them up to see if I could take them out of a house or something like that. Um, you would be fine. Uh, he would, he would be difficult. He's got to be over six feet and uh, looks like a solid guy, so it'd be difficult. Oh, thanks. Russell's been uh, <laughs> worried about his weight recently, and once again, <laughs> oh, Russell, the coroner says you'd be a problem, so stay on the lawn, yeah. please. Well, what do I care? I'll be dead. <laughs> well, imagine you know taking a body out of a house, and the the families in the next room are maybe watching. So, on top of protecting yourself and and using these certain techniques that you learn over the years but you also want to show some dignity and respect which may take a little more effort sometimes if y'all need a crane when i do finally kick the bucket i won't be offended no and and (laughs) no nobody nobody says uh you know nobody realizes the problem they're dealing with and there have been there have been so many times where on the ambulance, we've we've lost by the coroners came, and I was just so happy I didn't have to deal with moving them out of there, <laughs> because yeah. you know there was this running uh, joke that you know why is it that there's some correlation between the bigger you are and the higher you run up in the house when you feel chest pains? Why would you run up? Right. You know, it's like oh my god, chest pains! I better get on the roof. You know, yeah. <laughs> or lodge yourself between the toilet and the tub or something like that and you know it's funny people think that's a joke but the you know the toilet seems to call to people yeah uh you know it it's it's we're doing it all wrong there's something that says oh my god i'm having chest pains i better get to the bathroom because that'll fix everything and then you just get wedged in there and stuff gets broken uh i i I've seen that a lot, and it's like uh, I'm sure yeah. get chest pains. Run out to the lawn, please. But thank you very much uh, for all that you do, and uh, check out the website of uh, the Montgomery County Coroner. It's it's very interesting, and uh, it gives you a behind the scenes look at um, the office, the jobs that people do. It's uh, it's not. It's not as uh, it's not as glamorous as Hollywood, but it's not as morbid as you think. Um, it's just people doing a doing a job that we all need. And uh, if they weren't doing that job, we'd be stacking up in a bad way. Uh, so uh, you know, hug the coroner or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming out. T-shirt. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Okay, Russell, hit the button. <laughs> <laughs>